our record is right around 500, which is what it's been kind of all year. With that, some good things and some not so good things. Nobody's satisfied with that. That's not our goal. And we need to try to improve on that. We need to improve on it. Windows my whole career. This means a lot. Uh, so I feel like they don't respect us. A-Rod doesn't respect us. That team doesn't respect us. And we used to be an underdog. No matter what the record says, we're going out there. We, I think we're going to fight our ass off, but smash my football. Just because the respect factor is like, we all got here some way, somehow. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, but I just don't like the way he's been talking about my guys all year and the way that team views us. So we want to go out there and prove something. Sure, whatever, just period. Like, the way he carried himself. I don't like none of that So we got to go out there and show, show what we can do and back all the talk that we do. So we're going to go out there and do that. He's, I mean, he's his, um, you know, I've, I, I've mentioned. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously for me, it got to make sense. Uh, but, I mean, this is obviously where I want to be. Uh, you know, I, uh, coming in, um, I remember sitting down, you know, with Max and all these guys and, you know, just talking about the Raiders organization and, and the culture and uh, want to be a part of, you know, the, of the change. And uh, I still feel that way. Um, so hopefully I'll be back. It's all dog around his mug. You just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Jamal Williams is great. And uh, he is a free agent. The pack or the Packers, the uh, Raiders need to sign him. Just, just because of that. Just for the quote. Just for the quotes. Yeah, 100%. Sign Jamal Williams. Maybe uh, you get that award next year. They probably would. The guy's incredible. Uh, so please sign Jamal Williams. We, Jared, if they sign Jamal Williams, we will gen- genuinely you will only have to play Jamal Williams sound bites for an entire season. Does does not matter. They could get Tom Brady, and I would tell you, don't play a single Tom Brady soundbite. I also Danny, kn- get in here early in the morning to cut those up. That's right, just Jamal Williams. I also know that because I pulled the Tom Brady sound the other day. That was him breaking a record at forty five, and it was genuinely him being like, "Well, you know, we always come out and prepare, and no matter what we do, we always try to accomplish it." And it's just like that was not the question. <laughs> <laughs> like, is your brain so NFT addled that you're like? I must speak in, like, cliches. All right. I've got, before we get to some more Raiders, I've got two things to complain about. First off, they're basically the same thing. Stetson Bennett, before the national championship game, during the media uh, availability, whatever, told unnecessary roughness. There were a lot of people who doubted us. And I know people are going to be like, no, we didn't. Well, yeah, you did. Also, after the game last night, um, actually, who is this? Uh, Noel Oakland Smith, who is their, their injured the stars. Uh, injured defensive end. Um, he said, told Maria Martin, they thought we were going to go seven and five. We ended up they? perfect. Yeah. Out here's, of his mind. Here's, here's a fun stat. You get this a lot though, right? With champions. About no, that. not like but this. The, no, not seven and five. But you get that we weren't re- we weren't respected. You get that a lot. Georgia was number one in the playoff poll for five of the six weeks that the playoff poll existed. If you take the playoff poll, the AP poll, and the coaches poll, the lowest Georgia was ever ranked over the course of the entire season was number three. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever seen it this bad for you doubting we, that us. we do, that we don't get any respect. I don't think we've ever seen. They won the title last year, right? Came, were number one in the preseason polls. They did get passed because some other teams had some more impressive. Missouri wins. had a ten point lead, <laughs> but like, 
at no point were they ever ranked outside of the playoff ranking. No. They were never. It, there was never a question Georgia's going to play. We got to the end of the season, and it was like, oh, Georgia can lose the SEC title game and still, still get in the playoff. Georgia probably could have lost to Georgia Tech and the SEC title game, their last two games, and still probably would have gotten in the college football playoff. I don't think it's ever been this bad where a team is like, we've been disrespected, but no, we're here. And Kirby Smart actually sort of said something last night in his post-game interview about there being a chip on their shoulder. Yes, small chip on their shoulder. What did Kirby Smart tell these players? Throughout the course of the season, to convince them that people didn't believe oh, people think you're going seven and five. He's do he 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 got the RT to put up some like photo like do a news broadcast that's like everyone thinks Georgia sucks. So, in all, is there a marketplace? And it's only going to exist in like three schools: Georgia, Alabama, and like Ohio State. Even maybe not even there. Is there a marketplace where Kirby Smart can hire us? To just dump on Georgia. I mean, we already get in trouble for that, so actually it'd be, just, nice, to, it'd be nice to not get yelled at. Just every week, we just like, all right, here's our Georgia Bulldog segment, and we just rip them. It's in our NIL. We're like, hey, uh, they beat um, Mississippi State. 65 to 10. But did you see those 10 points they gave yeah. up? They gave up one red zone trip, and Mississippi State scored a touchdown unacceptable. This team is going five and seven. Can he hire it? Cause I am all on board for just nitpicking the hell out of Georgia and getting paid for it. I'm, I'm here for this. You don't have to fake did, it. Just pay us a little bit. Did you also see afterwards? He said that we have no entitlement. I think chicken wings on the sidelines entitlement. Ah, uh, they were up by 70. It's uh, <laughs> uh, a little uh, entitlement. I know. I feel like that's one of those. Is anyone else hungry? Right. Like, I haven't played since the first right. half. It was starters who were like, normally I'm out here burning fuel. I'm like, uh, kind of hungry. Where's the post-game meal? The game's... I'm okay with it. When you're when you're, I fight, think they have a little entitlement to themselves. A little went, cocky. They won by eight touchdowns. I know. I know. Yeah, I think they earned it. I know. Stetson Bennett, though, has been a little... Although he does nothing but win and get the offensive MVP. <laughs> Did you know, which I do think is kind of stupid, I've got to be honest. I saw this tweet this morning. He has been won two national championships. Of the four semifinals and finals, he's been the MVP of every game. Obviously, one of the best college players ever. I would think we'd all agree with that. But because he wasn't an All-American, he can never go in the College Football Hall of Fame. I think that's completely stupid. That's a rule? It's tweeted by a writer this morning because it's, well, it goes back to, like, Duke. You can't have your jersey retired unless you're first-team All-American. Like you can't, the, 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 you have to be a first team. We got too many good players. Duke might, I mean, Duke might have. They might have they, no more jerseys, jerseys left. Right. If they did. They but yes, you have to be, you have to be first team All American, I guess, to get into the College Football Hall of Fame. Which is watching this kid the last two years and what he's done is preposterous that he wouldn't get in the College Football Hall. of Fame. Right. Like so, we're we're gonna. And uh, granted, I know nothing about the College Football Hall of Fame. I don't know who's in. I don't know if it's a strict one. Apparently, it's pretty strict. You got to be first team all, or be an All American. When we look back at, like, best teams of all time, and sometimes we sort of group them together for teams that went back-to-back, like Alabama did in the early 2010s, Nebraska did it in the mid-'90s. Like, when we look back, this is going to be one of the greatest two-year runs in in In, the history of college football. In the history of the game. And the quarterback who was the MVP in every single bowl game or whatever the hell they call it is not going to be in the college football hall. He's not an All-American. 
That's stupid. Oh, it's <laughs> but he's hey, he's really stupid. He's gonna win a Senate Senate race. <laughs> That's a good line. It was good by Charles. That's stupid. That is that is very stupid. Um, so Stetson Bennett will never be in the College Football Hall of Fame unless they change it. And there's a legitimate chance. Oh we my look god! Back. I hope he goes full Pete yes. Rose and like down the road slightly at a bar near the College Football Hall of Fame. He signed an autograph. <laughs> says, inducting the selection process, college football fame, first and foremost, the player must have received first-team All-American recognition by selected by select organization that is recognized by the NCAA. Okay, so can so we get, Because how do Bryce we get Young recognized? gets it, then Stetson Bennett can't. Wow. Or I don't know who the first-team All-American Caleb was. Williams, yeah. Okay, Caleb Williams. Well, last year's probably Bryce Young. Whatever. That's rough. Um, yeah, that's really rough. One of the greatest... I mean, again, I'm sorry. He's one of the best players in the history right. of college football. He's like you stack up any player's like resume yeah. or whatever. His is going to be as good as basically anybody's. Yeah. Right. I mean, what? He's Tim, only Tim one Tebow's of four. There. Tebow's there for sure. Leinert went back-to-back. Um, I'm sure he was first-team All-American. Did, they had that graphic. I'm sure you saw last night the four. The four. Yeah, yeah. Tommy Frazier was Tommy from, Frazier, from Nebraska. Tommy Frazier, Matt Leinert. Um, Stetson Bennett, and I forget who else. But even Did McCarron said, win both of them with Alabama? Or was it a different quarterback? Who? McCarron. AJ, oh, oh, Jay McCarron. Was it AJ, him? Yeah, okay. AJ McCarron. So, and Herb Street made a comment. like, that's a pretty good right. group right, right there. And there's four <laughs> of those dudes. Yeah. Um, None of them were very good at the next level. <laughs> true. See, here, here you go. Stetson Bennett, there's the chip on his shoulder. I can't be in the College Football Hall of Fame. You guys didn't believe in me. Didn't think I was a first-team All-American. You had uh, that C.J. Stroud guy or that Bryce Young guy or that Caleb Williams guy. Where are they at? They didn't win the title like I did twice. That's that's incredibly stupid. All right, let me ask you this question. Would you rather win a national championship or any sort of championship? Would you rather win it by uh, 58 points or in dramatic fashion like in overtime? Oh, 58. I'd rather it just be over. Why really? Am I, why am I testing fate? I mean, it got, to a, it got to a draft. Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather win by 58 and eat chicken wings. Like, Tua, <laughs> Tua did that on, like, how many plays? Like, five plays Something he got drafted like and then yeah. kind of played. He was okay for the rest of his career, but people were still like, we got to draft yeah. this guy. So, okay, there's two things I think about college football that make the discussion different from pretty much every other sport in the U.S. The first thing is being the greatest team of all time. Because when we talk about who's the greatest college football team of all time, it's always the team that just annihilated whoever they played in the championship. Joe Burrow's LSU, the well, the 95 Nebraska team that annihilated Florida, the USC team that annihilated Oklahoma. Like When we talk about the best teams of all time, it's always because... Oh, when they got to the national championship, they won by four. They they just it wasn't even a competition, right? So in that regard, like we will talk about a fifteen and zero Georgia team that just destroyed TCU. That's a big helper to is this the greatest team of all time, which is completely subjective. So that is a reason to want to win by fifty eight or whatever. But for whatever reason in college football, there's this weird like uneven level of teams that it almost makes it feel like we oh, saw it last night right but it makes it feel like oh you beat tcu by 58 like they shouldn't have been there like what was the point of this game i don't know it's just weird where it's like yeah of course we're better than of course uh, we're better. you might have already but, named the best team of all time this morning when you railed off what miami had 
Yes. And that team also, actually, it wasn't, I was looking at this last night. They won, was it, I think, 37-14 in the national championship game, which that is a blowout, but it's not what we saw last no, night. Exactly. Like when you win the championship by 30, 37 to 4, you win it by like 20 points. That's a big deal. Right. You won it by, eight by touchdowns. 58 last night. You win it by t- eight touchdowns. That's that's an insane number to put just absolute insanity that it looked that was that like did Stetson Bennett get hit last night? I don't think I he fell asleep. <laughs> Jared fell asleep. Like they did he was not out of the have, pocket most of the time when they felt any pressure anyway. There was not a pass rush. A large percent of the receivers were just open at all times. Max Duggan got obliterated like four times last night, and TCU's run game went nowhere. TCU had the big pass play on a blown coverage in the first quarter, and then Duggan did run it in from whatever that was, like six or seven yards out, where he was basically untouched. And that was it. I mean, Georgia had like four bad plays in the entire game. Yeah. Because it was it was playing like it like I imagine I've never watched Las Vegas high school football. I imagine that's what Bishop Corman looks like when they play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what yeah. the game is. They yeah. were, I one time was working as a contractor on a Bishop Gorman uh, national game for TV. For, I was working for ESPN. Yeah, I was yeah. working as an audio contractor for him. And I genuinely was like, my jaw hung open because they were going for it on fourth down up by fifth. Like, oh, Kirby by, did that. You were up asleep. by 14. Kirby did it. And I'm just like, you're, there's like two minutes left in the fourth quarter. What in the hell are you doing? Oh, Kirby did it last night. Fourth and five. Uh, the score was like, maybe that was the, I think it was 45 to seven at the time or something like that. And Kirby went for it on fourth and five in field goal range. And of, they, of course they got it. Scored yeah. a touchdown. But oh. Oh, yeah, they're blowing them out, and it's like, yeah, we're going to go for it here. We're going to kick it? No, no, we're going for it. Which, by the way, that my mind was, oh, Kirby wants to be the best team of all time. Or he thought kicking a field goal to get to 48 would have kind of even rubbed it in more. Wait, what was the end? We need to, someone text uh, Danny. What was the end game at that point? Oh, yeah. oh geez. <laughs> all right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's briefs today. I got an incredible stat for you guys uh, coming in a few minutes, but I just want to start off listing some things. These are the quarterbacks in the NFC playoffs. Jalen Hurts, Brock Purdy, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith. These are the quarterbacks in the AFC playoffs. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Tyler Huntley, maybe Lamar, Skylar Thompson, maybe Teddy Bridgewater, doubtful Tua. Does the AFC have the best four, five quarterbacks in the playoffs? Where did, basically, where does Jalen Hurts rank? Because you're obviously going Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, I assume we're going Joe Burrow is better than Jalen Hurts. He's done I it. think you're sliding him right there before Trevor Lawrence. So you're going to put him in before Herbert would, and before would, Lawrence. Because I'd rather have ooh, Herbert than Hurts. Okay, I'm sorry. You put, you put Trevor Lawrence's uh, before Herbert down there. These were just listed. <laughs> That's listed in order of team seating. Okay, then I would put I'd, I'd put... I'd elevate Herbert above him, but I'd still put Jalen Hurts ahead of Trevor Lawrence. So we've got the so four best quarterbacks... 
in the playoffs are top in the four. AFC. Yeah, top four. And then you get to Jalen Hurts. And if Lamar is healthy, I would put Lamar ahead of Hurts. So it's it's incredible because the the second best team in the NFC's quarterback is Brock Purdy, right? Like maybe we should make an argument for like maybe Tom Brady's going to Tom Brady in the postseason and and he'll figure it out and it's hey it's Tom Brady but it's insane how much better the AFC is and by the way if if they were healthy the sixth and seventh quarterbacks in the AFC would be Lamar Jackson and Tua yeah. like th- there wouldn't be a genuinely bad quarterback in the AFC meanwhile Brock Purdy Daniel Jones Geno Smith Kirk Cousins are all in the NFC. It's incredible. And now, a bad Dak Prescott right now. Right. Now, here's... And a bad Tom Brady. And a bad Tom Brady. Yeah. Here's the incredible stat. Uh, completely stolen from Reddit. If Skylar Thompson starts for the Miami Dolphins, the oldest quarterback in the AFC playoffs is Patrick Mahomes. He is getting up there. 26? He's 27. Okay. Now, Teddy Bridgewater, if he starts, is 30. Ancient. Uh, so if Teddy Bridgewater starts, Teddy Bridgewater is the oldest quarterback in the AFC. But if it's Skylar Thompson, or even if like Tua magically was going to play, Patrick Mahomes is the oldest quarterback on the AFC side of the bracket. Which is, you you think about, if you're an AFC team right now, and you're not one of the teams in the playoffs this season, if you're the Raiders, and you don't have a quarterback... What are you doing for the next decade? Yeah. When you're looking up at Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in your own division. What What are the chances in the next, uh, let's say, how long do you think McDaniels will be? Let's say the next three seasons. What are the chances the Raiders get a quarterback that's better than one of Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, Lamar, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence? Not good. And those guys are all 27 and younger or younger. Now, some of them might change teams. Lamar Jackson might be playing somewhere else. Yeah, he, might be playing for the Raiders. Here's the thing. If you go through this, right? Maybe Lamar Jackson ends up in the NFC after this season or the next season, whatever it is. Maybe like uh, Justin Herbert just isn't that good. Maybe the Chargers just really never truly figure it out with Herbert. And maybe in any given year, one of those guys gets hurt. Maybe one of them turns into Russell Wilson. There's still three of them you have to worry right. about. Like even if three, even if three great quarterbacks in the AFC fell off, got traded, hurt, whatever, there's still three more you've got. It's just insane to think about what the next decade in the AFC is it's going to be, be like. Is the closest comp we have when Kelly, Elway, and Marino were all in the same? Like they were all in the AFC together, but even then, it was still like. There were only three of them. Yeah. It's like it's like Brady and Manning, but there were only two of them. Now, granted, Brady and Manning, uh, Mahomes is really good. I was going to say probably better than all of these guys, but I think by the end yeah, of the year Mahomes. or into the careers, Mahomes. Mahomes might. He probably won't get six well, Super Bowls. He he's, but, not gonna, he's not going to reach the pinnacle yeah. of Brady. But you might, we might look back and say, oh, yeah, he he was better. Um, but, like, so if if you're the Raiders – the best way to do it is to find your own franchise quarterback. But like you just said, the odds of finding one that's better than even just one of those six are long. Pretty slim. So in all honesty, is the best way to do this what the 49ers have done? 
and just kind of forget about quarterback and try to be awesome everywhere else. You better know what you're doing if you're going to do that. You do. But I like, mean, that's what the Vikings, it works for the Vikings, be good everywhere else. <laughs> oh, oh. I mean, hell, it works for the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> Hold on, we got breaking news. I yeah. saw Carlos Carlos Correa. Correa. Minnesota Twins. Yep. Is it signed? Six, that is a good question. Is it signed? Six years, $200 million. That's a lot less than I thought he would get. Can max out at 270 Okay. Uh-oh, that's... uh-oh. Last sentence of uh, passage report. It is pending a physical. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, so hold, your, hold on, hold on. Nothing's been signed yet. So six, six at uh, 200 is... I'm doing my math right. 30, 33 million a year, I believe. Uh, which is Why good, are you looking at me? Which I know, which is a good per year value if you're Correa. I was sure. told there Over would six be no years. math. Okay. All right. We got to go to break because Ryan Wallace is going to join us here on ESPN Las Vegas. But Carlos Correa looks like he might be a twin if he can pass a physical. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. Joining us now on ESPN Las Vegas is Ryan Wallace. You can hear him over on Fox Sports Las Vegas uh, for the VGK Insider Show. Also, whenever the Golden Knights decide they're going to play a hockey game again on the pre-post and intermission show. Good morning, Ryan. How are you today? Hey, Ryan. Good. How are you guys doing? How was FanFest? It was chaotic in the best way possible. Uh, Chance literally ziplined in that was kind of cool um yeah it was good it was a fun afternoon and it was uh, it was cool to see players in a little bit of a different setting and certainly being able to spend a little bit more time chatting with the fans um mid-season like that's not something you generally get often so it was a cool experience for sure if jack eichel had wanted to zipline in would kelly mccrimmon himself had run up to get him out of the harness before he could zipline in I'm sure there was a strict no zip lining for the players <laughs> policy. Um, I did ask Paul Cotter if uh, if he had seen Chance zip line in. He said no, but then his eyes lit up, thought that that was kind of the coolest thing, um, and then had told me that he had zip lined once before, but uh, would be open to do it again. So. I, I I wonder how many hockey players have some sort of clause in their contract like uh, you can't ride motorcycles because we've we've seen that before in the NFL yeah. and yeah. With yeah, Fernando can't, play, Tat- can't play certain sports. With Fernando Tatis, obviously, he rode right. a motorcycle and fractured his wrist. I wonder how many hockey players have that. Or, you know, hey, you skate on ice every day. That's the most dangerous yeah. thing you're going to do at any given day. Like, I would imagine Connor McDavid is only allowed to go to the rink and home. Like, that's it. That's all he's allowed to do. There's nothing else. I would, I would even go so far as to say, like, Connor McDavid probably has a no-fighting clause. In his contract, like he is not allowed to damage those hands on anything but scoring goals and setting up pretty plays. Like that's it. That's all he's allowed to do. So he won't be in the new slap league, slapping no, people in the I, face. I hope he that. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm curious if there's anything to this. We have seen Jack Eichel play on a line with Chandler Stevenson, another center, for a large portion of the year. Since he's been back, he played on a line with Nick Waugh for a game, another center. But then last game, they replaced Waugh with Marshall, and the lines got changed up in the game. But there was no center on that line to start the game. 
Is there anything to, is there any reason behind why Eichel might play better when he has another center on his line? I, I don't, I don't think so, honestly. I mean, you can maybe make the argument that when you've got, uh, you know, Chandler Stevenson and Jack Eichel, you can have both of those guys take draws on their strong side. And in that event, you start with the puck more often. And if you start with the puck more often, then you're probably going to carry the run of play offensively. I don't necessarily think that there's anything else beyond that. I, I think Nick Waugh compliments what Jack Eichel does pretty well. He holds on to pucks. He's able to kind of use his forecheck to, to create some separation, and then he goes hard to the front of the net. I still think that it's hard to judge Smith, Eichel, and Marcia so when they've got about seven and a half minutes <laughs> together as a line at five on five. So, like, I want to see more of them, and I feel like every time Bruce Cassidy's gone to that line specifically, the game's either gotten away from the Golden Knights early or they didn't have jump, they didn't have juice, and you end up kind of mixing and matching and, and, and really playing with the lineup because you're not seeing what you want out of everybody. So more than anything, if, if Jack Eichel is going to be away from Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone on his own line, and that line is going to be Riley Smith with Jonathan Marcheseau and Jack Eichel, I just feel like you need to give it time to grow into something, and that hasn't been the case for that line specifically. Do you think it's more important to him to have the, the top-heavy? We've seen what the third line's done when it hasn't had these kind of players on it. The top-heavy, or you want balance throughout. What have you come to come to the conclusion of what he prefers? So I feel like balance is the answer, because if you load up, right, if you put the misfits back together, you put Jack Eichel up on top with Chandler Stevenson and Mark Stone, then you still need production from your bottom six. You don't have as strong of a defensive bottom six as you would ordinarily have. Like you, you then are, are hoping, right, or putting a lot of stock into Michael Amadio, Paul Cotter, and Phil Kessel finding a way to impact the score sheet offensively without being a negative line in terms of goal differential. And I just don't know that that's the combination that's going to win you hockey games, not so much in the regular season, but in the playoffs. So to me, I think that the best way to go about this, if you're Bruce Cassidy and the Golden Knights, and I think what his plan was going into the year was to try to find some way to balance things out. If you've got William Carlson as your third-line center, that's the perfect role for him on this team, a team that wants to win a Stanley Cup. It's a clearly defined role. It's one that he plays incredibly well, and I think he can elevate the people around him, the Paul Cotters, the Phil Kessels, to kind of getting into the fight, too. So I would go for balance, but you know the, the need to win hockey games might uh, might trump that in the moment, and you might see the Golden Knights load up because of that. Do you think he should uh, basically experiment over the next couple of months? Because whether it's injuries or guys playing poorly or really well at the time period, I, I'm assuming if this team's going to go on a deep run in the playoffs, they're probably going to use different line combinations throughout two or three series that they play. Should he spend two months kind of trying out a bunch of different lines just to get a feel of what everything looks like and feels like? I think yes, if you're winning games, right? And that's kind of the big thing for the Golden Knights is you you still have to put points in the bank. You you haven't clinched a playoff spot yet. So it becomes a little bit more difficult to try some things out and then let that kind of give that enough runway to work if the results aren't where you want them to be. Now, I think the Golden Knights have been fine. I still think that they're going to be okay in the back half of the year. Like I, I'm expecting that they'll be 
more healthy this back half than they were the front half, but that's just kind of voodoo at this point. Who knows, really? Um, but the fact of the matter is, I, I think you're right on the money. You have to try some different things. You've got to see if there's any way whatsoever to break up the misfits, get more balance in your lineup so that you are a deeper team come playoff time. But, you know, again, it, it's all going to depend on whether or not the Golden Knights are, are scoring enough goals and winning games. Because if you start to, to slide a little bit in the standings or you're not winning as many games, all of a sudden you probably load up because you just feel like you need to get some points banked as you get into this back half of the year. We talked about this yesterday with Logan Thompson. He was pulled after the second period, uh, allowed three goals when he was pulled. Afterward, Cassidy kind of made an offhanded remark, but we know he put, we know he took down his Twitter. We know what he said to Adam Hill about you know how it can get to him. We asked this question yesterday. I want to ask you, does Bruce Cassidy have to be very careful about what he says about Logan Thompson in terms of critique? Um, in a sense, yes, but I think Bruce is also trying to continue to push the buttons to get more out of every single one of his players. It's not specific to Logan Thompson. Like there have been public challenges to a number of players. I think most famously, right. We've, we've heard some of the commentary on Phil Kessel and, and Bruce kind of talking about what his ideal third line would be and how that's not necessarily Phil's game, but he's got to bring it along. He's got to find another gear. He's got to do it. Uh, Michael Matteo on a seven game point streak. Bruce isn't necessarily afraid to, uh, move him down the lineup if, he, if what he's seeing on the ice isn't necessarily what needs to happen for a player to play in the top six. Um, and I think that that's all challenges, right? It's all ways designed to get more out of the players, internal competition, all that stuff is a good thing. And with Logan Thompson, I think his best asset is his ability to battle and his desire to prove people wrong. So when Bruce is critical of Logan in certain situations, I feel like that's more of a challenge, not so much that there's disappointment there that, hey, you can be better, we know you can be better, you know you can be better, get to that level, and that's really what is is in front of Logan. You've got to be able to take that criticism, and you've got to be able to turn it into something tangible on the ice because you've got to improve over the course of 82 games, not just stay stagnant at at where you were to start the year. So Logan Thompson deleted Twitter. I think (laughs) starting now... And into the rest of the regular season, Bruce Cassidy should be compiling negative tweets about Logan Thompson. And then before the first game of the playoffs, show them all to Logan Thompson to get him ready to go. Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> It'd be great. It'd be a phenomenal. Logan Thompson would never give up a goal in the postseason. Just all at once. Read mean tweets. Yes. Like, is, that, yes. is that what you want yes. to do? I mean, no, no. Actually, we want Jonathan Marchessault to read them in the locker room before oh, the game. Oh, yeah. That's not a good idea. Oh, it'd be that's, a great idea. Bad idea. Be a great idea. All on board. All right. He's Ryan Wallace. Again, you can hear him on the VGK Insider Show and also pre post and intermission for all Golden Knights games. Ryan, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. It. Thanks, guys. So uh, there is Ryan Wallace joining us on ESPN Las Vegas. I'm just saying Kirby Smart can do it with the team that everybody thought was going to be in the playoff the whole year. Well, sure. not everybody. A couple <laughs> of us thought they were going seven and five. <laughs> Kirby, pay us. I will say Georgia sucks every single week <laughs> for the rest of time. I will genuinely, every time you don't go for it on fourth down, go, 
Why is the punter out there? <laughs> the punter doesn't need no, to be no, out no, there. No, 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 no. We don't criticize the coach. We got to criticize the players. Oh, that's so. Uh, yeah, that's because, true. Because Kirby Smart's using it to motivate the players. So we just are trashing. Forty-six yards. That's all you can punt it. Right. We are just trashing nineteen-year-old kids <laughs> in Georgia, and that way Georgia can be like, ah, they didn't believe in us. Like these these radio hosts in Las Vegas <laughs> thought we were going six and six. They thought we were losing to Vandy. Poor Vandy's like, what did we do? Why did we lose by fifty eight? Oh, these guys in Las Vegas said we were gonna win. All right, coming up next on ESPN Las Vegas. How the hell did the Twins keep Carlos Correa? <laughs> I mean to be crass asking you this, but here we go. Um, could you really walk away from that from that contract? I mean, that's an enormous amount of money, and you guaranteed it. I was, I'm assuming, for a reason. You asked for it to be guaranteed for a reason. Yes, money is energy, and uh, I have made a ton of it, and I'm very thankful for this organization, uh, the generational wealth that they've uh, offered me. Hopefully, feel like that I've earned a lot of it, but. Yeah, for sure. I, I can definitely walk away from that. You're locked in the press box. By the way, that's Aaron Rodgers. Um, to put this into context exactly, he has made just over $300 million in his NFL career, right? He is, Doesn't count State Farm. He is scheduled to make $58 million next season. He's full of it when he says, well, I have made a lot of money. 50, 58 million is that's the sixth. Damn. Yeah. That's a sixth of the money he's made Already in his made. career right. that he'll make in one season. That's not, hey, we got to sign you to a five year deal where you're going to make that. That's you show up one more season and you get 58 million dollars. He's not retiring. No, no, <laughs> not a chance. Not, no, it's just like when Derek Derek Carr said he was going to, and you knew the money that was on the table. It's like no, he's not retired. Right. That is again. You can. He's made a lot. Absolutely. Aaron Rodgers could retire and monetarily not an issue, but fifty eight million. That's a ridiculous amount for one season yeah. of football. He's he's coming back now. Carlos Correa. The news from Jeff Passan this morning is going to sign with the Minnesota Twins. However, it is still pending a physical. Good Lord, he's not going to sign with the Minnesota Twins. (laughs) Which is why he didn't sign with the Giants and why he didn't sign with the Mets after agreeing to uh, deals with those two teams. Jeff Passan's story does say that the Mets feel comfortable with what they're going to find in the physical. And I, okay. I can't, yeah, excuse me, the Twins. And I can't imagine they'll be surprised by anything. He played with them last year. He played with them, and two teams have uh, very publicly not signed Carlos Correa. So here's the interesting part to me. The deal that Correa is reportedly signing, six years, $200 million. He had a 10-year, 350, or excuse me, it was a 13-year, 350 deal with the Giants, with the Giants. and then a 12-year, 315 deal with the Mets. With the Mets. So six years, $200 million. However, it can become 10 years, $270 million. There's some vesting options in there. I don't know what has to happen for that to turn into a 10s 270. But let's assume it's 6 and 200. Correa, at the end of that six years, would be 34 years old. Would he be able to make $100 million after he was 34 in Major League Baseball? Depends on how the ankle holds up. Is it the ankle? (laughs) Where's the plate at? (laughs) Because, oh, wait, it also depends on how bad, like, 
inflation gets. So that's the so, key. Here. Like yeah. it's right? literally like. Yeah, it's it, it, five years ago. This would have been a ten million dollar contract, but our money's worthless, right? <laughs> so, like, that's that's the key here because right now, um, you would you would never sign Carlos Correa at thirty four years old for twenty five million dollars a year, right? But I'll use an example: Jose Abreu, the Astros signed him. He's thirty five, signed him to a three year deal worth fifty eight million dollars. Okay. That's the type of deal that Correa would probably get when he's 34. 34. If things, hell, if things double in six years, Correa is going to make more than that if he signs a three-year deal. If things go up by 50%, Correa is in great shape to make $100 million over after he's age 34. So I think there's a real chance, as long as Correa's still foot doesn't fall off or whatever the hell everybody's worried about, I think if he if he's done in Minnesota after six years, he honestly could make as much as he would have made on the Giants deal or on the Mets deal, and maybe more. Like if he's still good, he might be able to make more at that point because of how much these salaries are probably going to go up for that type of player. So he's accepting this in a weird sort of way. Well, this might be the only offer out there because of all the physicals and right. pending physicals by betting on himself. In a sense, now. If you're a baseball player and somebody's giving you the 13-year 350, you sign and say thank you for the guaranteed sure. 350 sure. million dollars. Yeah. I don't need to sign another contract in my life. Right. Uh, but in a way, not, I don't think Correa at any point preferred this. But in a way, Correa could end up making more money if he is still a competent baseball player when he's 34, which I think he will be. Like, I don't. I we we've talked about this. There's been no sign of this guy, whether when he was the Astros or whoever. No sign of this guy other than he's great. Right. Like I I think when he's 34, he he. So part of the value of Correa is that he's one of the best defensive shortstops mm-hmm. in the league and is a very good hitter. Obviously, when he's 34, he's probably not going to be one of the best defensive shortstops in the league. But at that point, I highly doubt he's a negative defensor defensive player. You could move him to third base, which hell, which the Mets, the Mets were, gonna were already, already. going to do. Or to go back to the Jose Abreu comparison, I'm sure the guy can play first base in mm-hmm. DH when he's 34. So it's not like the guy is going to be completely unplayable when he gets to 34. So I think there's a real chance he gets 34 and he can sign a two-year, fifty million dollar deal, and then another two-year, forty million dollar right. deal, and the guy makes as much money as he would have made, or something like that. Uh, on on his big long term contracts, the only question is there's a little less certainty for him at that point sure. because you got to do it. But I don't think this is all bad. I, maybe the one bad thing for Correa is he's playing for a team that's probably not competing for a World Series yeah. in his six years. I mean, maybe they will. Weird teams go to the World Series, but the Twins are probably not going to be the best team in their division anytime soon, and not even close to the best team right. in the American League. So. He's probably not going to, he might get some postseason games in, but probably won't have the postseason moments or whatever. Is that more important than the money he's going to get? Probably not at the end of the day. So Carlos Correa is a twin. What a roundabout way to get back to Minnesota. This is done. I mean, he's got to pass the physical. Got to pass the physical. Pending. It's always pending with him. Jeff Passon's story said the physical will be completed today and tomorrow. Two days. There's multiple steps in this physical for Carlos Correa, but... He's going to be a twin, it would appear. Okay. 
if you guys give me the field, I will take the field on him. If it's you put all your money on him being the uh, twin, I'll take the field because this keeps happening. Nah, somebody's gonna agree to it eventually. Yeah. It's gonna and be twins, it's gonna be one year. I'm assuming the twins dollars. did they give him a physical last year? I would assume they did. I would assume what they, they were did. Supposed to do they and gave him a this physical. didn't come up, or if they did, they didn't care about it. Right. So. They, I, they're, they're the team that you have to assume knows everything there is to know about Carlos Correa. Right. right. Well, the Astros. I mean, yeah, the Twins and the, the Astros, Astros would be the teams that, like, they know everything there is to know about Carlos Correa's medical history and what the projections would be. So if the Twins feel like, yeah, we'll give them six years and $200 million, I'd be shocked if they found something that they didn't know about and be like, oh, wow, we can't no. actually give them that. And then again, the other part, it's been very public as to why the Giants and the Mets are pulling yes. out. Yeah, if you're bringing him in, you already know right. exactly what's it's going on. It's not going to be a surprise to the right. Twins.